everybody. I'm Weston. If you're new and you're visiting, that's me. I'm looking for Chuck Falk. Are you here today, Chuck? Mm, this is going to make it a little more awkward, but okay. You know what? We're going to do this anyway because I know Chuck is a faithful online watcher. When he's not here, he's taking care of his mom frequently. And so, Chuck, we love you, man. So Chuck has been an elder in our church, so it was like Jesus and then the Apostle Paul and then Origen and then Chuck. I think we're here doing the good work from the beginning. And this last year, Chuck retired. Now, one of the things with Chuck is he's an artist. And oh, we've got the picture. I brought this out so you could see it. It's on the screen. Uh, he did this watercolor of the very first picture, uh, of the very first building of the church. So that stood where the youth center is now and then was leveled to make room for the uh, auditorium. And we have had it framed, and it is now on display in the um, conference room when it's not up here. And I've destroyed it. Um, goodness, this I need an assistant, practically. Um, so, yeah, so that's that. Thanks, Jesse. And Chuck, when you are back we have this lovely oil lamp for you it's handmade by a local artisan and we call this our Matthew 516 award uh, it talks about letting your light shine for others so they could see your good works and give glory to God in heaven and so we give this out to folks who've really uh, given um, a lifetime or just an extraordinary amount of service to the church so uh, again I really I'm confident Chuck is watching so let's give Chuck a round of applause and thank him for his work and his faithfulness And uh, I would encourage you to check out that picture. It's really beautiful. Um, it's in the, uh, it'll be in that conference room right out the back door here. Um, it's, it's super nice. All right, so we're in the midst of a series called Artisan Soul, and it's based off of a book uh, by the same title by Erwin McManus. Um, and if you've been with us, then you know that we've sort of been tracking through this idea that we've been created in the image of a creating God. And so that means in our core, we are all creative people. Uh, you might not think of yourself in that way, but that's mostly because we've termed creativity, you know, and meant it mostly with arts. But really, we're all creating a future together. And this series is challenging us to build a better future, to make a masterpiece with our lives. Uh, the week after that, we started talking about the power of words and how words shape us, and we've been shaped by words. And then uh, last week, we were talking about how we've got to step out of chapter one if we're going to write a good story with our lives. We can't stay stuck there. Today, we're going to look at the power of imagination and uh, image and how that shapes the future. Now, you might not think that you have an active imagination, but, but you do. If you've ever planned something, you imagined what it was going to look like. If you ever planned a vacation, you imagined how you were going to feel when you got back <clears throat> from that vacation. If you've ever uh, worked on a project and planned a project, then you were using your imagination. If you've been married, uh, you imagined what your life was like, and you decided that you liked the image of a life together rather than a life apart from your spouse. If you're single, then you probably got an imagination in terms of do you want to get married or not? And that's probably setting a course for you as to whether or not you're, you know, you're dating or not. I mean, these are things that we are working through in our mind. We've got all sorts of things uh, that work as an act of imagination. Daydreaming, it's an act of imagination. Planning, it's an act of imagination. Imagination is incredibly powerful. Uh, 
It is the seed that brings into existence something that did not previously exist. It is the seed that brings about a new creation. If you've been with us through these last few weeks, um, then you know this is our theme verse. And if you've missed any, you can catch up uh, online anytime with our podcast and the video at YouTube or in the app or any of these things. But uh, let's say this together. Therefore, hold on. Together means we all do it. <laughs> Sorry. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That's what we want to be happening in our lives. That's what we want to be working out in uh, the life that we are living. Uh, so we're going to focus on the power of imagination. And I want to start by just looking at this basic truth. Everything began as an act of the imagination. This is true with God. In Genesis 1, uh, we've got God has imagined what the world is going to look like. He's imagined, uh, you know, sea and sky and stars and moon and sun and, and animals and fish and plants and, and all these things. And then through the power of his spoken word, he brings it into existence. Uh, this is true of us as well. We might not be able to speak it into existence, but everything that we've created as humanity has started first as an act of the imagination. You know, the idea that you have a cell phone that has more computing power in it than the uh, space shuttle used to have. How did that get there? It started as an act of the imagination. Go back behind that a little bit, and you see somebody, you know, watch birds fly, and they said, man, what would that be like if we could fly too? And they imagined it. They, they thought it through. They saw it in their mind's eye. Staring at the moon, some scientists and then engineers said, you know what? I bet we could get up there and walk around on that thing if we tried real hard. And they did. You think about the, the lunar program. The people that put a man on the moon, many of the scientists that were there grew up in houses that did not have electricity. Think about that for just a second. But the power of imagination launched them into the future. Your favorite movie, brought to life on screen, was what? It was first an act of the imagination before it filled a storyboard. Change does not happen. Creation would never take place without the act of imagination. This is why McManus is right when he says that imagination is more powerful than knowledge. I know we have teachers here, and you're terrified by this. I don't know. Knowledge is power, right? That's what Schoolhouse Rock taught us, sure. But imagination is even more powerful. Why can we say that? Well, we can say that because this imagination is what drives us to get the knowledge. It's imagination that drives us to get the skills needed to make a new reality happen. Uh, we've got Disney Plus in our house. Uh, anybody watch the Imagineers series in this? So we've got Disney Plus. The kids watch animated. Anybody watch Imagineers? I don't. I'm, I, this doesn't surprise me. I've got one. Okay, I see that hand. All right, I'll pray for you too, and you also. All hands all over the room. Actually, just four. Um, so the uh, my kids watch the cartoons. I like the documentary. Um, what does that say about me? I mean, I like the cartoons too. Phineas and Fur, personal favorite. But um, Imagineers. This is the story about how you make something that's never existed before. I, I was fascinated through the entire series. Uh, 
Because when Walt Disney said, you know what, I'd like to make a, a land. I'd like to make a new land. I'd like to make a Disneyland. Everybody was like, well, that's, that's unusual, but okay, let's, let's give it a shot. And so he hires all these architects to come and design these buildings. Um, but the thing is that architects don't build mountains like the Matterhorn. Architects don't build uh, fairy tale storyboard kind of things. And so when he got all the drawings back from the people who were architects, he realized that none of that was going to work. So he fired all of the architects and he hired people with imagination. He actually just brought his art department from the animation studio and brought a few of those, uh, mostly guys at that time, over and he said, I want you to make the drawings for the building. I want you to make a main street that looks like it's a postcard. I want you to make a mountain that looks like a mountain. I want you to design these things. And so these artists who had no idea how to engineer or architect, they start to draw these things. And what ends up happening is what? You get something that you've never seen before because they have the power of imagination. And once these drawings are made, then they say, all right, this is what has to be made real, which is why throughout the history of that entire department, they're pioneering things in computer technology and all manner of stuff because they, they said, you know what? We're not going to allow our imagination to, to be restrained. Now, you might expect that for something like Disney, but the imagination has the power to shape our world in incredibly great ways. You know, we live in a time now where the Civil Rights Act is a law, but before that, what was it? It was a dream that Martin Luther King Jr. had. It's the power of imagination that, that moves us forward in life. This is true in the technological and scientific realm as well. Space.com created a list of things that started as science fiction and then became reality. Here's just a few. One is holograms, universal translator, hello Google Translate, uh, bionic limbs, digital billboards, artificial intelligence, space stations, tablet computers, and driverless cars. Somebody writing said, man, wouldn't it be cool if we had this? And then somebody else said, man, you know, I think we could make that a, a reality if we would apply technology in this way. But what starts it is the imagination. It's the imagination that drives the process. It's the imagination that forces the acquisition of knowledge. It's the imagination that drives innovation. This is why imagination is more powerful than knowledge. It comes first. It is the seed that brings the future. Imagination also can be a powerful tool of faith. I don't know what happened somewhere along the line. We, we decided imagination and faith were maybe not you know, partners, but the truth is they, they are very, very much so. And imagination is required, I think, to exercise faith. Consider Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So how do you have conviction of something that's not seen? It's because you can imagine it. You believe, you take God at his word, absolutely, we call that faith, but what's that driving thing that moves you forward? It's that you can actually picture what it's going to be like one day to be with God in a world of perfection. Indeed, the author goes on, by faith our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. The created world and everything else begins as an act of God's imagination first and then comes into reality. And by our imagination, we can go back and see that in our mind's eye. We can picture what the future will look like. Imagination is helpful in our prayers and in our worship. Uh, Richard Foster, who 
He's a Quaker uh, in his background. He talks about how sometimes we can pray prayers without even using words, just imagining the scenario, the healing taking place. He, he writes about this in his book, Celebration of Discipline. It's really fascinating, the idea that we can use our imaginations to pray. And we could, and we should, and we do. McManus says this, the imagination is the playground of God. Only in our imagination can we even begin to contain the smallest expression of the bigness of God. It's our imagination that gives us the capacity to think about what it would be like to see Jesus face to face or to have traveled with him on the roads of Galilee. Friends, our imagination lends itself to our faith it's useful for our faith we need to tap into that one more quote here the life of faith is less about gathering information than it is about expanding the imagination the movement jesus started was a movement of dreamers and visionaries not a movement of academics and theologians you know the apostle paul withstanding none of the uh none of the original disciples were trained theologians or academics they were all people with a dream fishermen who thought that they could fish for men because of what jesus said people who thought you know we don't have to any longer live under the kingdom of rome we can live in the kingdom of god they could see that in their minds and they knew that they were making that a reality Yes, through knowledge and through reading scripture and through good study, we're able to sanctify and inform our imagination. But it is our imagination that fills in those gaps that allows us to see things that we can't see in this life. It's what makes heaven seem so sweet to us because we can imagine what it would be like. Imagination is the genesis. It's the place where the boundaries of our future are marked out for us. You see, our imagination, it has the power to shape the future. We see this constantly throughout the life of the people of faith in the pages of the Old and New Testament. Hebrews 11 lists out these, these people. Um, I've already read a portion of this passage, but one of the folks that Hebrews 11 will focus on is a guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham is called by God uh, pretty late in life. He's got an established family. He's got a hometown. He's got work, we imagine. I mean, he's got all sorts of things set up for himself. And then the voice of God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to leave, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. He doesn't say, Abraham, I want you to leave here and go here. He says, I just want you to leave and start following me. And when we get there, I'll tell you we're there. And so Abraham packs up in an act of incredible faith, and he follows God's leading and direction. And I'll tell you, I'm confident. I am confident that Abraham imagined the place that he was going was better than the place that he was. And sometimes for us here in this room, we have to have that imagination. I know some of you are in the midst of some pretty serious struggles, some pretty serious heartbreak and trauma in your life, and I know things are difficult. And sometimes it's, it's hard for us to say, man, I, I don't know how we can move forward. I don't know how we're going to work things out. And it's here that we've got to tap into that sanctified imagination and say, God, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I can imagine that it is better than where I am right now. And we need to allow those visions of what the future that God is creating in us move us forward. Hebrews eleven thirteen says this, all these people, this is the summary, talking about Abraham and others, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. 
You see, Hebrews is saying that these heroes of faith pursued a vision that they had seen in their minds of what God was going to do in their life. We see this also in the life of Moses. Moses, the book of Hebrews reminds us, was raised in the palace of Egypt and that he had all wealth and privilege afforded to him and that he could have lived that life and he could have easily just said, man, I'm going to take the easy road. I'm not going to suffer. I don't have to deal with any of this difficulty that, that my people are going through. But Moses shuns that and he says, no, I want to be with these people. I want to be with my people. I want to be with God's people. And here's, Hebrews summarizes his story. It says, he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Now, this week, in your English Bibles, this word looking and this word saw are different words. I looked it up in the Greek, too. There are also different words there. Here's what these words mean. Um, in the Greek, this word means looking. And this word means saw. As in like with your eyes, okay? So looking means looking, and saw means saw. If I'm going too fast, I'll slow down. But, but I, I know some of you really like the Greek. You like to know what it means. Uh, looking means looking, saw means saw. It means that he was able to see. He was able to have a visualization of what this future looked like. How could he do that? With his imagination. With Moses' imagination, he could see that the promised land God was leading them to was so much better than the place where they had come from. Again, McManus writes this, humans create futures that exist only in the imagination. Every species builds, but humans create. Friends, humans create. That's us. We are called to create, not just to build, not to just make a little ant, ant mound, not to just, you know, put stuff together because it's in our nature. We have the capacity to choose what things are going to look like, how it's going to be shaped, how it's going to be made, how it's going to bring glory to God and joy to those who participate in the future we create. So if you're there and you're saying, man, yeah, I want to do this. How do we do this? I want to give you some practical ideas on how we can actually lean into our imagination and move forward. Uh, the first one is this. It's to start. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean, just like, just get going. It's like, just begin. Um, I had a, a um, I learned like nothing in, um, God, the class is gone now. I mean, I literally learned nothing. Um, accounting. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, high school accounting. Um, took that, uh, did okay, mostly because I didn't want to take calculus. Um, this is where I remind everybody that I have an earned doctorate in zero college-level math classes. Um, it can be done, kids. Um, but in high school accounting, where were we? Mr. Hughes, he had one saying that has stuck with me, you know, I guess what, however long it's been since then. It's been a little while now. Uh, he said this, he said, getting started is half done. And it's true. If any of you are procrastinators and you're like, man, I'm going to get around to that later. It is so true. Getting started is half done. Just beginning, just opening up the document, naming it, saying, all right, here we go. In the beginning, whatever it is, how are we going to start this thing off? I propose, you know, dear sir, dear madam, you know, just getting started is half done. 
The, the problem within the church, as I see it, is that we live in this place where we have this fantasy or superstition or folklore. I, I, I don't mean to be too cruel, but we have this like weird idea that somehow God has like mapped out every piece of our future, and that if we don't know what it is, that we should in you know just do nothing until we know what God specifically wants. Hey, guess what? God probably doesn't care whether you have Honey Nut Cheerios or regular Cheerios for breakfast. All right, if you've got two great job opportunities, pray about. Them. And if you don't have a sense of what God is saying, you can wait a little bit. But man, I would say just go. Just just go. God is, I think, creating the future with us. I think that's one of the things that Scripture tells us. And we're just kind of afraid to acknowledge is that throughout the course of history, God brings, you know, he creates the world. And he tosses the keys to Adam. And he's like, hey, take good care of her. You know, he brings in Abraham and David. And he brings in all these characters of the faith. And he creates the future with them. But it doesn't happen unless we get started. We just have to be begin we've got to be stopped being held in the, the prison of perfectionism or paralyzed uh, by the analysis friends so just get going how might you get going well if we're talking about imagination maybe you just need to start writing some things down say man this is what i think i'd like this to look like this is what i think i want it to be keep a journal maybe you've started that gratitude journal maybe you've been writing down some dreams maybe now you can sort of reverse engineer and say all right this is what i want how would i have to do what would i have to do in order to make this happen but just get going just begin just start just just go for it that's step one Step two. Oh, oh, this is oh, this is a good quote. Uh, the only ideas that really matter are the ones that get turned into realities. Yeah, if you're struggling with getting started, get get uh, a, a tattoo of that or a temporary one. If you just need a little bit of motivation. All right. Second one here. Work at the intersection of our imagination and abilities. Um, sometimes we imagine things we would love to do, um, but we just have zero skill in that zone. Um, so I think what we need to do once we get started is we need to sort of focus on the intersection of our imagination and our abilities. What are the things we're good at? What are the things we're passionate about? What are the things we have a vision for? That's, I think, going to be key. Um, and you might say, well, I don't have the ability, but I think I could get it. Well, great. Then allow your imagination to drive you forward in that uh, that way. If you're reading along with us, you'll know that Erwin uh, McManus tells a story about um, going water skiing for the first time and how he was a miserable failure. And then uh, the next thing he knew, he was working at SeaWorld. Uh, this was back um, when they still had water skiing shows. And um, so he said he spent his entire summer watching professional water skiers water ski, and he'd failed so miserably that he just was sort of captivated by it. And and so he you know would imagine what it'd be like to lean into it to feel the drag, to feel the pull of the boat, uh, you know, and he could see how they were moving, and he just, in his mind, he imagined that he was trick water skiing the entire time. He said, the next time I got up on skis, he said, I actually did really, really well. He said, it was because I had seen it, I had imagined it, I had envisioned it. Sometimes we need to allow our imagination to drive us to acquire new abilities. Other times in our life, we just need to say, you know what, I've got great ideas, I'll pass those on to somebody else, but the place I want to focus and work is a place where I'm good and I have a vision. So that's the second thing. Third is that we've got to be willing to adapt. The final product that you make with your life or with your plan or your project, it might look different from the original, but that's okay because it in reality looks better than it in your imagination. We've got to be willing to adapt to make changes. Sometimes good enough is in fact good enough. Okay? Um, 
some of you go, I, I don't know that I really believe that. I know some of our perfectionists struggle with this. Good enough is not good enough, I, it, but it can be. There's this guy out in California. You've probably never heard of him. He's got this little tiny church named Saddleback. Um, his name's Rick Warren. Look him up online. You probably could find him. But this Rick Warren guy at Saddleback Church, um, when they started their church and they had staff, he had a lot of creative people down there. And he said, you know, we had to just internalize as, you know, as a church corporation that good enough was good enough. He said we had too many great ideas just sitting, waiting to become perfect one day, and we weren't doing anything. And so we just decided when it was good enough, it was good enough, and we were going to move forward and adapt and make changes as we went. Friends, I would encourage you to take that on as a motto, not to excuse laziness or sloppiness, but to say, you know what, we're going to get started, and we're going to put something out when it's good enough. Fourth is we need to be committed to creating something good. Um, you know, we've talked about this in the past, too. You know, greatness is, is easily achieved with a little bit of, uh, you know, infamy and sensationalism. Uh, but goodness, the, the ethos that's in what we create needs to be consistent with who we are. So we've got to create things with integrity. You know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're, you know, working, you know, work hard, work to make something good. You know, we don't want to sell out. We want to commit to creating something with excellence and beauty something that brings life. Humanity is God's culminating act of creativity, McManus writes, designed with the highest intention to reflect the most personally, to reflect most personally the likeness of God. Ironically, we who were created with the highest intention were also created with the capacity to deny, betray, or demean that intention. Whereas a horse will always live as a horse is intended to live, humans may live inhumane lives. The artisan's soul reclaims its intention. We understand that with created freedom comes creative responsibility. Friends, this part just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. As we see people in the world, we see, yeah, that in fact people do use their imaginations to live inhumane lives. That word's fascinating, right? Because it means it's in a manner that's inconsistent with our creation, with a manner inconsistent with our nature. Yeah, that happens. But we've got to be committed to creating goodness and to creating out of love. You know, I, I think about all the jobs that are out there. You know, some people struggle with this. They go, oh, I'm just a business guy. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm out there, you know, working profitably, uh, you know, to make this widget or that or provide this service or that. You know, listen, take a step back and realize that you are creating wealth, that you're creating jobs, that you're creating a home, that your service matters, that what you do makes a difference to people, that you're creating order, that you're doing so all of this hopefully out of love. You know, uh, God created life so that we could know love. Everything God does is an expression of his love. And we need to be people that create consistently with that. So as, as we wrap up this here, I want to just give you two things. And again, we'll push this out on social media, these, um, these disciplines, these uh, one-leg-at-a-time disciplines. Uh, start small and, and dream big. You know, if you want to be um, a writer, you know, write articles and share them with friends. If you want a new career, uh, go ahead and start taking that class. Uh, if you're saying, man, I want to maybe move into something else, maybe volunteer your time where you can acquire a new skill or trade. If you're saying, man, you know, I just want to use some of the extra time I have to create something that is passionate to you. 
uh, give that time to serving with an organization or to expressing that passion that allows you to live out uh, that calling that God has placed in your life. None of this has to be big. Nobody's going to succeed in any of this overnight. But it starts with that imagination. It starts with that vision. And it allows us to move forward. I, I want to pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have imagined us. That you, Lord, have put together inside of us a desire to create. A passion to, to make new things and to renew things. And so, Lord, for, for everybody that's here today, God, I pray that you would give to them a, a crystal clear vision. Uh, God, that you would give uh, f fuel to the fire of their imagination. And that, Lord, you would lead them to creating something new and beautiful and good with you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give us the courage to just start, to just move forward, to just begin. And I think if we do, God, we're going to find that you are there with us. We may end up in a little bit different spot. You may use that beginning to end someplace different than we intended. But God, I'm convinced that you want us to be moving closer to you. And so God, give us the courage to do that. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, the secret of creating new things with God is to do it with God, to have that partnership with him. And so uh, this morning, I would challenge you to, to spend some time thinking about that. God's created you in his image for his glory. He wants to have a relationship with you. And so this morning, if you're saying, man, I'm just not sure where I'm at on that. Take some time to pray about that. Uh, take some time to say, God, is there something between us? And see what he has to say. Uh, if, if you've never received Christ, you're saying, man, I don't even know what that would look like. Maybe talk to the person that brought you that's sitting next with you. Uh, I'll, I'll be sitting down front. I'd love to talk with you too, even after service. Um, but today we don't have to leave until we've said, you know what? I, I know that I'm moving forward with God. Stand. We're going to sing.